Charlie Butt, I had a question for you there, my guy. What's up? <laughs> so, uh, as you probably were doing, I was perusing the old YouTube, seeing what new trailers were dropping this week. Mm. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see that Furiosa, I guess the Mad Max Fury Road prequel trailer, has dropped. Uh, did you get a chance to watch that by any chance? I did not. I didn't even know that there was a Furiosa movie coming out. Or maybe ah, I did. Okay, then. But okay, okay. Well, I feel like awesome being able to introduce you to something because uh, <laughs> usually it's the other way around. But uh, no, it's interesting because Anya Taylor Joy is actually taking on the role of. It's not Charlize Theron. <laughs> Bro, and I was heartbroken because I love me some Charlize Throne and uh, I thought it was just going to be all about her, but. It's cool. It's like, I guess they're going to do the lead up. And you know what? If they have it in such a way where they're both in it, I'll lose my gosh darn mind. That'd be cool. And I see that it's George Miller again. Yeah. Yeah. With Um, Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Thor himself. Dang. I I don't really know the Mad Max lore, but so apparently it's a, is Furiosa like a title given? It's not necessarily like the same person because the trailer says a young furiosa oh i guess maybe that is just her name because i don't know <laughs> why i person. think it was a title yeah, yeah. yeah um no you're so good she's an imperator i believe is her mm-hmm. like, title in the whatever their group is well, wild people fury road was a crazy movie really good um yep. so i hope that this is excellent um and like and it's I, I I just want that wide shot of chaos and I just want those action sequences. They were so good. Um, Dude, I to this day hail Fury Road as one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. I definitely when it comes to stunts, absolutely like, uh, it's like if not far. number one then number two. Yeah. And my sister doesn't even like those kinds of movies and she was like, This was freaking awesome and I was like, Yeah, buddy. Oh yeah, no, that, that movie is. Too, I'm not even like I'm not like a crazy like action movie fan, but like that was it's just a, it's such a good movie. Oh, absolutely! It's uncanny because you you don't want to like there's scenes where you're like I want to like kind of look away, but it's just something they say something weird or wild, yeah, and it makes absolutely no sense. But you're like that is awesome. I just love the how just... like how it flowed and like the continuity of like. Uh, not no, like lack of continuity errors where you could like see something like r- like happening like if you spot it in the super wide shot and then it, when it gets closer like that you could kind of see in the background the progression still happening and then like oh yeah it's like kind of making like a map of like the whole like terrain and then when it zooms in you're like oh my god he was just there so of course he's coming into the scene now like 20 30 seconds later as after it's like zoomed in because we saw him like climbing from the back of the cars just yeah buddy oh so legendary so legendary i just was curious if you had seen it or, or any i guess a couple of trailers have actually dropped this week yeah like the boys, I, I honestly yeah the boys teasers trailer for season four dropped uh, there wasn't there was another thing i felt like um there were like details were emerging because boy season four hot d season two ah, that's right that was the other dude yeah that's, ooh, um definitely excited to watch some hot d again house of the dragon for those i might rewatch season one because that show is actually genuinely good and i am excited oh, to absolutely. go back into the world of a song of ice and fire might actually get me inspired to like finish this book series 
finish because George was, hasn't even finished ask. it. So, <laughs> um, but you know, I will. I want to read like Fire and Blood before season two comes out, and uh, I want to read a couple of like the prequels stuff. It's a cool universe. Uh-huh. So, ah, uh, sounds like the creator. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. Except it has Great good political universe. writing and all that stuff. So, um, <laughs> for those of you who don't understand that reference, listen to our last. Episode. Yeah, listen to our last episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, okay, that's yeah. I uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for this next year and the slate of incredible things with like Dune and then just TV as well. Like yeah. it should be, should be good. Should have some good episodes coming. I think they released the first like ten minutes of Dune Part Two or something. <gasps> I saw like a YouTuber reacting to it. I don't know if it's like public or he like for whatever reason got to see the first ten minutes of part two. Um, so oh. they released the final trailer for Dune Part Two too. I'm like holding off. I'm just gonna go in. Yeah, I haven't really watched as many of the Dune Part Two trailers. Um, interestingly enough, because I watched all hey, the Part One ones. I'm just excited. I feel I like I need it. to watch Part One right before I go see Part Two. I feel like that's the only way to do it. Just, I mean, I'm still saying Warner Brothers, like, take my idea. You can make so much money off of this. Show, like, do the part one, part two double showings. Like, get buy tickets for not everybody has to do it. And you shouldn't do this for all the showings, of course, because not everybody's going to want to do this. But offer some showings where you get a part one and part two theater experience back to back. But you get like a 20 minute intermission to kind of like get up, stretch your legs. You know, refill the popcorn, all that stuff, and then show part two. Because I think that is what needs to happen. And I will be so mad if that is not done anywhere. Maybe, like, some select theaters will do it, hopefully. Like, maybe not. I don't know. But, God, they need to do that. I would 100% watch it that way. You would also make mad, like, much more, like, as basically as much money or almost, eh, maybe a fraction, but still more money off of the first one. That would be good for them, too. Mm Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have given that idea away for free there, bud. Well, if a Warner Brothers executive is listening. <laughs> <laughs> listen out here, people. Listen. Pay me some money for that idea. <laughs> yeah, just Even though I already gave stacks. it to you for free. True. You said take it for free. Just take Actually, it for free because I will give you money to do that. So. Wow, um, you're paying for your own idea. I respect you're like a, like a Kickstarter dude. I'm like just a, a guy who wants to enjoy... Bad. The cinema experience and in order to do that i need to i not and then and to me that is a good way to to see it uh i think no i agree i agree and if that is a thing i will certainly partake as well absolutely it comes out in like march right yep ah, yep great. so we got a little time right in the middle you of my have semester three months. <laughs> oh okay <laughs> maybe you have a Brutal. sick day who knows uh i hate to see it hate to i see mean it. uh I'm hoping that it's not like as intensive as the NY. I mean, I know it's going to be intensive. I'm not going to like work hard, but like I just, I'm hoping that it's not truly like a 40 hour a week fiasco like the NYU course was, which was like just a second job. I'm truly hoping that it's like a solid 20 hours a week or something, but we'll see. It's probably going to depend on a lot on the class. (laughs) (laughs) I'm optimistic for you, buddy. Goodness. Yep. I also remember, and like, it's good that, like, I've already got that experience of, like, being a student again from that mm-hmm. NYU course. So I kind of can be a little bit more prepared going in where, as the NYU course, I just got hit, like, with a whiplash. I'm like, holy hell, this is a lot of work. 
<laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. So, so you got your like feet wet already a little bit. Yeah, you're in the. It's probably gonna take a second to acclimate again, but it won't take as long, hopefully, as it did for your previous course there. Yeah, hopefully. Oh man. Okay. Let's talk of talk of things to come, and you know what? Let's dive on in because here we are, people. <clears throat> um, why, hello everyone, and welcome to the What You Got podcast, where we talk topics. A to Z and everything in between. I'm Jordan Palmer, joined as always by the incredible Charlie Bud. And today we're talking about HBO's semi anthological series, White Lotus. While two seasons are available to watch, today we're diving into the first, which was released in 2021 and deals with a cast of characters venturing to the White Lotus Resort in beautiful Hawaii. I will admit, I was late to the party when it comes to first watching this, and if memory serves, you were a little bit uh, late too there, Charlie. Yeah. So, for the sake of today, we're going to disconnect our brains from the events of Season 2, and just a warning, there will be Season 1 spoilers ahead. Let's talk concept first and foremost here. So, this is a show based around a singular event, usually a death, that takes place at a White Lotus Resort somewhere in the world, and this season shows the lead-up to set occurrence. I want to know your thoughts around that, Charlie. So kick us off there. What you got? Yeah. So, I mean, White Lotus is a show, as you mentioned, that came on to kind of late. Watched it probably a year later than when the first season came out. But watched season two kind of as it came out uh, because we actually watched season one like a month before season two came out. So um, got a little bit of that White Lotus back-to-back action um yeah so i mean this show is uh kind of like a dramedy uh satirical kind of take on like um i mean to kind of put a very very loosely like rich versus poor kind of thing like i think it kind of is a clear satire on the way that rich people lead their lives and how um their you know, even if they don't necessarily mean to, or maybe in certain characters' cases mean to ruin or affect the lives of people who are of, like, the working class. And I think the show kind of does a really good job in both seasons. And and since we're really just focusing on season one, but it really showcases that a lot within season one about, like, um, one of the first kind of things that we are uh, introduced to in, in the show is... Uh, oh man, I'm gonna have to remember. Jake Lacey's character, Shane, um, is kind of upset because he's born or comes from a very, very wealthy family. His wife, uh, played by Alexandra Daddario, uh, Rachel, uh, is not does not come from that background. Um, she was apparently a journalist in the past life, but like the first kind of conflict that really you know kicks off Shane's whole arc and storyline is. Um, he doesn't get the room that he books, you know, double booked on the pineapple suite and then gets delegated to another really nice room, admittedly. Uh, but that kind of like really sours his experience. Um, however, Palmer, like, I don't know if this was your honeymoon, like even if you weren't like the richest person in the world, but if it was like your honeymoon, would you still would you feel like super soured by that kind of like double booking? Like, how would you kind of react to that? Because to me, that is like maybe the one sympathetic trait that like could potentially happen but i'm curious what your thoughts okay so i've seen this actually like like the first couple episodes i've seen with my by myself mm-hmm. i've seen it three times by myself with somebody else and then with my sister 
And so <laughs> it just becomes more and more outrageous every time I watch it because you're on your honeymoon, which should be one of the most relaxing times of your life. You know, you're starting this new chapter of your life with somebody that you care deeply about. And this man, it's at every single turn. It's just like, it's the room, the pineapple room. Like, he screwed us. Like, I, I looked into it, and Rachel Alexander Daddario was just like, dude, like, let it go. Yeah. Like you said, any fantastic freaking, like, room, like, it is super, the whole resort is super nice. Super nice. Say, just lucky to be Hawaii. there kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it's like his mom, I'm pretty sure, was the person who booked it for him. He has, like, a travel agent. So, basically, he didn't really have to do any of this. He's just upset because he didn't get exactly what he wanted. He leads a life saying, of privilege, essentially. Yeah. And so, like, when That's then is kind of, like, challenged, it's it hits him to his core. Because it's kind of, like, almost, I feel like, to him, it's like a personal attack. No, dude, it li- it literally is because I think Armando is the name of the um, Armand like Hotel. Armand, that's right. I don't know who Armando is. <laughs> Armand is basically this gentleman who's overseeing the entirety of the activities and the rooms for the White Lotus. And this man Shane just prepares to go on like a, an attack against Armand. And like you said, it's he feel, takes it very personally. And for me. If I'm doing something like that, first off, I've never been to Hawaii, so I would absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. Number two is that, I mean, you can't sweat the small, it's not necessarily super small yeah. because obviously they paid for that. But at the same time, like, figure it out later. Like, don't make that such a bad experience for your spouse. And unfortunately, he did not yeah. heed that advice and just went off. I know. Like, I can understand being, like, upset. Like, if, you know, you don't get the suite that you were kind of anticipating, but like you still, but it's not like you're not getting a room. It's not like you're not be able to stay at the resort. Like to me, I just probably be upset for a little bit, but kind of just get over it. And like, as long as I get, you know, if the room that we're staying in is cheaper then I would get hopefully financially reimbursed. Um, but the room that they still got was really nice. And I would rather be like, it's like, it's just a room. We're really just there to kind of like, you know, sleep and stuff and like have breakfast or something. I don't know. Probably not even that because they are literally in their room to like sleep. You know, we see them out all the time. They're out and about. And um, like, it's like, it's just, it's a place to be, you know, you might be able to wake up and still have like a nice view. It still seems like they have that there. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't have taken it like that because, like, ultimately, you're at the resort and you're there to experience kind of Hawaii and the resort in general. Um, so it is just kind of funny how, like, but the thing is, it's just it is such a real reaction to me the way that, like, he kind of goes off because I've not, like, I've seen not necessarily anybody, like, close to me or anything like that, but, like, adjacent like people behave that way when they're like kind of like slighted like they feel slighted when they don't get something that they were expecting um even though like and that's just typically i think it just comes from a very privileged background because you always get what you want sort of thing and like so the first time it doesn't happen it's just like suddenly it's just like that's your entire identity it's just consumed by this one slight where you know armand doesn't give a he just like doesn't care about you ultimately. Like he's just like, I'm sorry this happened, but like, you know, it's kind of like it's not it's out of my control. But like he is like a vendetta against Armand. He did this to me. Like that guy lied, blah, blah, blah. Like he has a attack. He's like attacking Armand for like no reason. And Armand's just like doing his job, trying to make everybody as happy as possible. And he is trying to he handled that a situation greatly so i think it's just like the yeah. first instance you're immediately like this shane guy 
sucks. <laughs> and you <laughs> should recognize that. I hope people recognize that. Yeah, I was gonna as a viewer, that should be because I think that was literally the first interaction. Like, oh wait, I'm in the pineapple room, and it's one thing to a bring it up, b to be like, hey, I actually saw that we are like all good that we're in that. Like, mm-hmm. we could just figure it out after the vacation. There were a million ways he could have addressed that situation and just decided to go to war. And I think there's better things you can be doing yeah. on your honeymoon. He couldn't. He couldn't but, enjoy his honeymoon because that already off to a bad start, kind of thing. Yeah, and Rachel's feeling that too. And it's funny because. But really, the first scene is just everybody on this boat kind of going into the resort and the, you know, the staff is just waving at them. And I'm curious, what were your first impressions of just it could be Shane or anybody else? Did anybody else stand out at the, the start of the series or season for you? I think Tanya always stands out um, because, well, uh, she's a very um, eccentric character. Like, you know, she... <laughs> You know Jennifer Coolidge does a fantastic job playing that like her uh, Tanya. Like I mean, obviously she's the only character that makes it into both seasons of The White Lotus. Um, so it was, you know, I think I I can't really remember exactly what it was about the first scene, but um, it was like she just really caught the attention to me. What about you? I would, I'd probably have to agree with you. She's just, I don't even know what it is just about the demeanor and her, her personality, mm-hmm. but she's, she just makes faces and she just randomly waves to people or like says like, you have a beautiful family. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, like, thank, thank you. The mom who, um, yeah. I think her name is Nicole. I was <laughs> like, oh, thank yes. you. And it's just like, she'll insert herself where it's like, you can, you can say something, but it's, she lingers a second too long for it to feel like natural. But she just does it so seamlessly. You're like, oh, that's just, that's just who she is. That's just who the, the character is. So she definitely was uh, on my radar. And then I was just kind of curious about the the family as a whole, who consists of, I guess it's Mark, Nicole, Olivia, Olivia's friend, Paula, and then their son, Quinn, um, Nicole, yeah. and Mark's. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, that's, I mean, it's just a vacation like to Hawaii, which should be good. But I was curious to see what they were going to get into. And I'm curious... For the sake of this season, because we know, at least in this first two, the seasons take place in different countries and different locations. And Hawaii as a setting, what were your thoughts? I mean, Hawaii is a beautiful setting. Um, I I think, I mean, like, I think it's just like one of those things where the White Lotus, the resort in both of the seasons kind of serves as like its own character in a way. Um, You know, other shows have done very similar things where they um like you know call me by your name always comes to the top of mind when you think about like how uh settings are tried kind of treated as its own like character and i think in a way the white lotus resort in hawaii is all is done is treated in the same way maybe not as impactful as such like something that you know call me by your name does but um you know, Hawaii is just, uh, I also think it served as kind of a, uh, a subtext to, um, show again, like how the rich are essentially just very detached from kind of not only like the plight of the working class, but also like the, uh, history of the areas that they're in. I mean, there's constant, there's like a whole sub storyline, uh, with a, you know, a native um, Hawaiian who is, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on what they, what they call. 
Kai? Uh, is that who you're thinking of? Sorry? Kai? Yeah. Kai? Yeah, that- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's also, uh, like, his heritage is also um, Hawaiian. There's a, definitely a better name for it that I'm completely uh, forgetting. But, like, he's a native Hawaiian. He has a Hawaiian, like, heritage. Um, and there's, like, a storyline revolving around that. And uh, they're even with uh, the friend of the um the mo- like the 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 family of five oh, talking about Paula four, yeah. Olivia's friend yeah Paula okay. who i think is supposed to kind of serve as like a, a character who is like accepted into like the rich but not treated as one of them and is clearly very much like an outsider but uh, what are your thoughts surrounding like each of the the, like the characters that like the main we have like three main storylines within the white lotus and like how would you kind of describe the family of you know julia nicole um <clears throat> quinn uh, uh who else is the who's the dad? olivia mark mark, mark. Yeah. yeah it it is true we do have like multiple stories and it's funny too because i believe the creator i think his name is mike white and yeah. he's also ned schneebly uh from the school of rock uh <laughs> I didn't so he, know that yeah dude freaking ned Schne- the real ned schneebly mm-hmm. but he um said that each season has had a theme so i think the first one had to do with like greed and socioeconomic disparities and the second one was about like sex and i think he says if they have yeah. a season 3 it'll be about like spirituality but um, so that's literally the thing that kind of stands out most to me just from the, the various storylines because, A, when you're looking at the couple of Shane and Rachel, mm-hmm. obviously, like we said, there is a separation there, like a disconnect mm-hmm. because Shane comes from privilege and Rachel doesn't come from those same means. When it comes to the family of Mark uh, and his, his you know people, they basically are all well off with the exception of Paula. Like you said, she's accepted in. But she's not necessarily in that actual group. And she has the distinct, uh, I don't know if the word is privilege, or the ability to kind of discern their privilege, whereas mm-hmm. they might not, might not necessarily see it. Although the daughter, Olivia, is played by Sydney Sweeney, um, tries to, I guess, understand what it's like. And it seems like from the outside that she gets it, but only until like the mirror is held up to her that she really understands, maybe I don't. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have Tanya, who is this multi-millionaire heiress kind of lady who is just off doing her own thing she's for the sake of this season trying to spread her mother's ashes and she goes into this whole backstory of how she and her mom didn't have a, a great relationship but she wants to do this for her and she's not really like finding the time to do it but she's like i'm gonna do it and then apparently she's a regular at white lotuses like around the world so it's just such a unique, I guess, perspective, such a unique look into the various ways that that kind of um, power, influence, and wealth affects people in everyday life. And so that's something I did appreciate from just diving into this with no preconceived notions because I had no idea what The White Lotus was yeah. when I uh, first started watching. Yeah, I didn't really know what this was really about. I mean, I knew I had heard things that it was like uh, satirical in a sense. I also heard it was about like following a bunch of people at a resort. But when I first watched the first season or the first episode of the first season, I thought it was like a murder mystery. Like I thought we were going to get one of those, but it turns out it was like, it wasn't that like, you know, the entire time, like you're trying to like, you're playing this little game of like, who's going to die at the end. And I think in a way 
uh, Mike White did that to kind of keep you uh, roped into the story to see like how this story kind of unfolds because like ultimately it is a story that is um, kind of a massive commentary on like wealth and like socioeconomic status and like how the rich are uh, basically clueless about kind of and like disconnected as we have said um, I think you had a pretty good like apt kind of like analyses of how, you know how the characters kind of stand and especially when it comes to uh, Sydney Sweeney's character uh, Olivia who is with her friend um, Paula uh, you know trying like you know I think they go or like she's kind of like edgy in the way but like she's like an edgy like leftist or somebody who likes to larp as somebody who's like who thinks they're leftist because you know grows up as um in a very wealthy family and goes off to college probably you know meets people from a lot of different backgrounds and you know probably part of her sympathizes with that and you know gets roped down into some ideology and she kind of sees the injustice between the socioeconomic classes and so she and her friend Paula starts spouting off like leftist like theory stuff to random people at the hotel don't they like uh talk to oh no it's just the parents right that they really just spout that off to it's not like they say that to Rachel or Shane but I do think it's funny because when when Olivia is kind of like put to the test all of that charade like all of that falls by the wayside she is no longer like this like kind of progressive person anymore she's just really like cynical and uh self-absorbed and like because there's like a storyline where paula is trying to like get with kai right and uh Mm -hmm. she um like doesn't like olivia doesn't like that at all and uh it like tries to like sabotage it in like pretty much every way because she can't let paula have anything of her own um because i don't know it's like an attack on her character maybe not but like she i don't think she sees uh paula as kind of like an equal because you know comes from a different background less privileged um but you know no dude that's super insightful and it's it's such like a throwaway line not a throwaway line but like i didn't catch it the first or second time Mm -hmm. i watched this but the third time the third (laughs) time i was in apparently olivia had stolen a guy that paula had been with before and had like never apologized for it and paula told that to kai and kai was like super cool like he Mm -hmm. was like yeah like when uh, olivia kind of makes her advances he he wards her off but Mm -hmm. yeah no it's definitely a matter of she wants something that somebody else has who i think as you said she doesn't equate to being on the same level as herself Mm -hmm. so she just kind of feels like she needs to sabotage it just to kind of maintain that that edge which is i hate to say that a lot of people in our life like people have those kinds of people in their lives and they might recognize it like paula did or they might not which is Mm -hmm. tragic but it's very real i thought that was a very nuanced kind of thing to interweave within just that that narrative overall because it's it's very real. It's very real. Yeah. I mean, a lot but of these characters are really kind of, like, real. Like, I don't know. I, I was able to recognize aspects of, like, real people that I've interacted with in pretty much every character on White Lotus, which is, like, definitely a like, good job to Mike White for kind of, like, writing such realistic and kind of grounded 
characters and the way that they're like developed um because yeah uh it it does a really good job like of doing like character commentary or like social commentary of like trying to describe like these kind of issues that are in our society um even if like people aren't necessarily like grasping it the first time um you can kind of you know like reflect on it in a lot of different ways a lot of ways to interpret these characters i'd, I'd say no, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask, which character did you most relate to? <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know if there is a character I like most relate to in in White Lotus season one because I didn't really like any of the characters in season one. I can like probably relate to people like Armand, you know, like. Okay. <laughs> but I'm not okay. even like remotely close to anything about that character. You know, like he is a recovering drug addict who is sober for five years. Not someone not like me, but I can sympathize with a lot of like stuff that he's just trying to do. Like he's just trying to do his job, you know, and these like you know, these rich douchebags are like making his life like way harder than it needs to be. Um, and it's just like, and like a lot of, but it's like the thing is not just Shane while Shane definitely makes his life the hardest. There's like other people at the resort that like, you just have to balance out. And I can understand people just wanting to have a good time at the resort and not, you know, be bothered, but like, you know, and not have to like worry about too much about it. And like, that's what the hotel is doing their best to make sure you have that experience. But yeah, not everybody's perfect. Things fall through the cracks. Things happen. So like. I don't know. I never really like getting mad or upset at, you know, hotel staff or like or whatever because they have hard jobs and I don't mm. think a lot of people you know, some I think a lot of people often forget the work that goes into that. It's thankless. No, truly. I uh Muhammad Ali has a quote. He's like I pay attention to how people treat like waiters and whatnot mm. because I know they'd treat me exactly the same if I was in that position. Oh. I was like, you know, it's very true. Very insightful, champ. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. But, okay, okay. Did you like somebody the least if you didn't really relate to anybody? <laughs> Probably Shane. Like, he's just the most entitled, <laughs> annoying, arrogant person out there. Um, and, like, he just doesn't have, like... Yeah, I mean, like, I think there was... I think Rachel had every right to kind of think, like, am I just, like, a trophy wife kind of thing? And, like, I think Shane literally saw her like that. Um, and didn't like see it as, uh, as like, you know, Rachel is kind of like a person who has her own goals and dreams and all that kind of thing. Who like wants to be a journalist. I was like, didn't he like say along the lines like you don't have to work anymore kind of thing? Yes. And he looked her like, in the face and said that. And he's like, dude, come, like, bro, like how, like, yeah. just like how do you, you, like, let that, like, can if she wants to, like, you shouldn't just be like, no, 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 it's fine. We got money. And he's also such like a yep. mama's boy too, like. Bro, okay, wait. I have a point. I just had to bring it up because there was a scene, there was a, a stretch for this this season in which this man's whole mother <laughs> came and joined him and Rachel on their honeymoon. Yeah. Okay. Say you're on your honeymoon. You're not necessarily super enthused about your mother-in-law, and she decides to come. What is your reaction? Even if I like you know was like best friends i i it's like it's the our honeymoon like i would not want anyone else to be there <laughs> yep yep <laughs> i completely agree it's just like <laughs> i don't like now you're gonna what join us for dinner and like hang out like what are we doing now 
What's going on? Uh, when you say it like that, it sounds absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it sounds absolutely ridiculous, you know, normally. But like, I only like got that, two I mean, for the romantic huge. boat tour, but now do I need to get a third? Like, what, what is happening? Uh, and she's so excited to be, like, the mom-in-law is like, oh, yeah. yeah, like, hey, what's going on? We're so excited to have you in the family. And I was like, all of this is a conversation we should be having in, like, three weeks' time when we're back together. Yeah, and also, God, it's just really. like, why, like, you didn't consult your wife about like the mom being there like why did you think that that she would like enjoy that like it's just one of the it's again it just shows again how disconnected he is he thinks that like he knows what's best for everyone because of his position dude although i think that was a make good on arm like armand just kind of wanted to like ruin it i'm pretty sure he was the one who brought her in am i crazy um yeah but i think shane knew that she was coming and wanted to surprise oh. Rachel. I don't think like, like Shane. I, I, I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe like because I haven't like watched it, uh, sp- like, like yeah, actually entire... through. Um, yeah, yeah, the second time. But I because I can't remember if like Shane's just like this is awesome or versus like yes yes he was for... he was like mom hey what's going on yeah like, I was like dude I lo- look I love my mother I love. My mm-hmm. mother. Mm-hmm. I do not love the idea or my mother being on my honeymoon with me. I'd be like, "Mom, can I just pull you to the side?" And for I think a, a normal a mom would probably be like, "I wouldn't want to be on your honeymoon." Like, <laughs> absolutely, dude, dude. Oh my gosh, yeah, a normal mom. That's normal in this context. Just throughout this year, you don't really find too many normal people, yeah. which is why I think you weren't really able to relate to many. Like, you could understand, you could see other people in them, but. Do you feel those same feelings? Do you feel like someone kind of embodies your, I guess your, you know, your, yourself? Like, nah, nah, not really. No, not really. there's no one like normal on this show, and in, in a way, but at the same time, they're like real people. Like, there are people who are exactly like this, which makes it so interesting. Um, yes. Uh, but I'm gonna throw the question back at you. Like, who did you like? Who did you relate to the most? Okay, I didn't relate to any of the guests a lot, but I related to um, Belinda, who was the like yeah. massage therapist yes. slash spa. spa person. Yeah. So basically, as you know, um, Tanya just really wants to get a massage, mm-hmm. and she's kind of stressed out trying to figure out what to do with her mom's ashes, and so she gets one with this woman, Belinda, and Belinda just gives her, I guess, the old, you know, like therapeutic spa day. <laughs> And Tanya is enamored. She's like, I love you. Can you can you come to dinner with me? Let's hang out. And then she says that she wants to essentially finance her own like wellness kind of spa like center. And this this woman, Belinda, literally takes her time out, makes a whole business like plan proposal and presents it to her. And this woman, Tanya, is already back in the wind onto something else and basically leaves her all behind. And I just I don't want to like call anybody out, but it's just like it's. When you're in that position, I, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to think that someone's going to be there for you. They talk about it. And then when you finally take the actions to kind of help yourself out and to do what they advised you to do and they just kind of drop the ball, you're like, well, here I am. So that's why I I totally relate no, to No, yeah. That, that is a uh, relatable moment where, uh, um, yeah, when like, 
gosh, the Natasha is kind of going through all that. She's like, because she has her hopes up, right? Like to her, <clears throat> that is a opportunity to like she sees that as an opportunity to like maybe climb out of her situation to get her like her dream started right like because from her perspective this is a you know nice woman who is coming in very wealthy and is offering her kind of like a rope to climb the social economic ladder to move from working class at a resort and spa in Hawaii to potentially being a business owner and um and that's like her dream like she is somebody who wants to do that like she's had that on her mind forever she like immediately comes up with a business plan Tanya is suddenly ghosting her in a sense like she goes out to dinner with this with Tanya and then like all of a sudden she's just like Oh yeah, well uh, we'll talk about that later or something like that. You know, it's just like it's just it's not it's not like it's not her priority. Um, she just says that off the cuff because like she is self-absorbed and needy and wants people's attention. She doesn't really care about the consequences of her action because she's just kind of oblivious to her actions, basically. Absolutely. Um, she just doesn't realize what she's kind of doing though, like the emotional. Mm like trauma that she's kind of inflicting uh, upon this poor uh resort worker for sure for mm-hmm. sure. and it's sad too because you can see that Belinda's like kind of cautious and mm-hmm. approaching this like she's asked to go out to dinner and she says we're not really allowed to do that with the guests oh natasha was the actress Tanya makes <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah, yeah. Sorry. but uh oh you're so good tanya makes like a fuss about it and she ends up doing it and she's really kind of just trying to keep her distance, but Tanya keeps getting closer and, you know, trying to, it, it keeps kind of upheaving all of that until finally she offers her this opportunity. And she's like, look, like clearly she's interested in me. She has the means to help me. I'm going to just, I'm going to roll with it and see what happens. And it unfortunately confirms all the beliefs she previously held. And she just finds that she's back at square one. And that, shoot, that just broke my heart. But it kind of parallels, in a way, the, I guess, um, story of what happens with Kai throughout this season. Um, I kind of want to hear your thoughts there. So essentially, Kai is this, like you said, Native Hawaiian employee who kind of strikes up a little bit of a romance with Paula, who is Olivia's friend. Paula's on uh, vacation with Olivia's family. And so um, what you find out from Kai is that essentially, like, the businesses and the, the resort like acquired the land uh, of his people and basically forced them off and they don't have the means to really do anything. So they don't have to work for the um, resort and whatnot and just put on these shows that are supposed to reflect their history. But we know it's kind of like a sham when thinking about um, what the the resort did Mm -hmm. because it's just like, Oh, like check out this, this actual authentic, like Hawaiian, like I guess show, but you all disregarded all of that when you just, uh, you know, yeah, it's like, it's appropriating it in a weird way. Like it's kind of seen as entertainment rather than like, you know, this cultural significance to the, the Hawaiian natives, like people around them, which I think, you know, it just goes back to that theme of, this total disconnect in society between like certain social classes. Totally, totally. And so what happens is kind of like Belinda, uh, Paula offers Kai this opportunity to basically get the funding he needs to, I guess, put legal pressure on the white Lotus 
And that's in the form of uh, basically breaking into Olivia's family's room safe and stealing these two bracelets that uh, Nicole, Olivia's mom, put away that are worth, like, mad money. And so she basically tells him when and, like, where to go. And, like, he does and unfortunately doesn't work out because the family starts to come back. And he's luckily wearing a mask but has to kind of uh, fight his way out. He does steal the bracelets. And we're in mad spoiler territory, people, so I apologize. No, we're deep. we've done listening. deep spoilers now. Okay, you're in it, you're in it. But uh, he basically steals them, has a come-to-Christ moment where he realizes he was in the wrong, and he turns himself in, which, gosh darn it, if that isn't a sign that this is a good dude, like, uh, I don't know what is. But I just wanted to know kind of what you thought of that whole sequence. Did you expect it to go wrong did you think he shouldn't have even done it in the first place like what were what were your thoughts i 100 percent expected it to go wrong this man isn't like a like an isn't like a criminal not a criminal mastermind i don't even remember what like what led uh uh paula to even suggest that i know it was like probably because olivia was trying to like steal kai away and like it's clear to me that like Paul doesn't really seem to like Olivia very much, ultimately. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, why are you there? And it's probably just because she was like using her and the f- family to like get free vacations and, um, uh, like, I don't know. It's it's interesting and <laughs> and I I, I kind of actually get reminded a little bit of like a quote from Andor hilariously when, oh. um there's like a line and but like i don't know i guess this doesn't actually work i'll forget it forget that line of thinking um okay. but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i i figured that he was gonna get caught and uh like that it was not gonna go over well for him and in a way like do you really see paula as like so I'm like I'm I'm curious to think because I think one of the biggest like themes of this I mean we've talked heavily about what we think themes are in this show but I think one of the, what this this the storyline was trying to showcase is like how you know every week you know you get like new guests arrive like new slate of like the richest people coming to stay at this very very nice five star hotel resort. And, you know, every week you have stories and I don't know if this was supposed to capture like a moment in time or this was like a unique thing, but I almost want to like, like a unique moment, but I almost want to think like it's kind of a, 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 a kind of like a moment in time where like this is just like a week that happens at the resort. And in a way that even if it isn't like there still is like this when the guests arrive they have this opportunity to wreak havoc in the way that we kind of see it play out over the course of the season and a lot of different storylines. And by the time they leave, they go on with their lives as if they've done nothing wrong at the hotel, not even thinking about it, but the people who are affected still remain and are still having to pick up all the pieces. So like in a way, Mm. do you think that Olivia or sorry, Paula is like truly like innocent or like, or is she part of like this like working class kind of group or is she part of the rich and privileged? 
Ooh, that's a great question, dude. I think she's kind of like a straddler in ways because, I mean, even as she's talking to Olivia's family and you're just hearing them say, like, wild, wild things Mm -hmm. about, like, people and, like, those who don't have as much and just, like, kind of marginalized groups. You're like, man, like... And she, she, like, acknowledges, like, her, her status within that group. But to your point... I mean, she basically leads, not leads this man, Kion, because I think her feelings were true, but she instigates this whole, I guess, series of events that ultimately lead to his arrest. Yeah. Um, And there was a time when she was on the beach and she's like, you're not even going to like see me again. Like, cause he he tells her to stay, like stay. Mm. And she's like, no, like I'm going to leave and like, I'm going to forget about you and you're going to forget about me. And so it's, I don't know if that was her way of just kind of blunting the, the pain of like actually departing, but it was very, it was very shocking, I guess, in the way that she delivered it because she was very, very blunt mm-hmm. herself in that. So it was like, man, like, do you really truly care? And then kind of when she at the end, because it seemed like she and Olivia were at odds and they were never going to be able to repair their friendship. And they do. It's kind of like, to me at least, it seemed like she had acknowledged the shortcomings of uh, Olivia and Olivia kind of acknowledged them herself, but she was almost willing to let bygones be bygones with it seemed like they were hopeful that Olivia would be better and like things would get better. But at the same time, like she knows what she comes from. She knows that her family probably isn't going to change because her parents really didn't change. Mm-hmm. And then Quinn is gone, is gone. Yeah, so Quinn, Quinn's character, I, Quinn. Yeah. Quinn's character. And I definitely want to talk about him in a second, but uh, no, I think she's not really innocent. I think, how do I convey this like thoughtfully? Because I agree with you. Because like the reason I brought that up was because like Kai is like when you look at the socioeconomic ladder in this sense, like Kai's at the bottom of this ladder, right? And she mm. might not be at the top of it, uh, but she, as you said, straddles it. I think that is a very apt description. But in a way, she like encourages or like you know. Uh, pushes him to commit a felony and ultimately like destroys or potentially destroys his life. And I'm like, like what? Like that to me was just like you, like where's the sympathy? Like, why would you suggest that kind of thing? Like this is just somebody who's just just trying to do his job. (laughs) Yeah. And she, he didn't want to do it in the first place. Mm -hmm. She took no responsibility after they said, like, oh, it was Kai. She didn't say, like, she probably could have, like, helped him out a little bit. Like, I told him to do it. I gave him the combination. Like, I told him when she to She wanted go, to preserve her no, status. She, she was looking out for herself. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So I can't say that she's innocent. I truly cannot. She, honestly, at the end, I was kind of like, you're trash. Like, yeah. I'm not trash. You're, you're like, like, you, I, like, she became one of them at the end. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that was the biggest change in her character. Mm-hmm. And almost the opposite of all of that and as we said is quinn the son Mm -hmm. slash brother of olivia who starts out honestly probably just as privileged as shane all he's doing is playing on his switch or on his phone Mm -hmm. or he's like we don't have wi-fi like what am i supposed to do and he's in hawaii you're in hawaii like like, it's so it's so privileged to just like go to hawaii and be upset that you just can't play your games like Bro, yes. look where you are, man. <laughs> like, people Literally. would kill to be in your position, and all you want to do is play Pokemon. <laughs> but no, dude, it's so true. And I was like, this kid sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, it's trash. I don't want to like see his storyline. Mm-hmm. But he gets kicked out of his room by Olivia, 
And uh, he sleeps on the beach, like oddly enough. And I think the, like one of the first things that happens to him, and I think probably one of the best things for his character, was that he falls asleep. And as it does, like the tide kind of comes in and just washes away and like destroys all his electronics. So he has to be present. And um, he like wakes up and he sees like these whales just uh, like swimming around in the water and appreciates just how beautiful life can be, you know, uh, without looking at it through a screen. And there's kind of this change in his character. And so he like wants to he and his dad are trying to learn how to do school or get scuba certified. So he's engaging with his dad more. And every morning there are these guys who come in who do, I guess, like a rowing kind of thing, like a Hawaiian kind of rowing. And he's. He's in, like admires them initially, then introduces himself. Then they actually take him out, and you can see that he's really becoming um, engrossed in the in the culture and getting away from all that he knows. So I kind of wanted to ask you what you thought of that development. Did you like the pacing of it? Just also, we didn't even talk about the pacing of the entire season, but just the pacing of his 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 character development, his growth, and then ultimately what happens to him. Do you think that made sense? Yeah, so I almost think he's kind of like the antithesis of like a lot of the other characters where um, he kind of starts off being, as you mentioned, the privileged, screen-addicted uh, kid who doesn't really you know, appreciate kind of what he also not only has in life, but also kind of is like where he's at, his position. Like he just doesn't really seem to care that he's in Hawaii and all that stuff. And like kind of so... Whereas everybody else kind of cannot recognize at the very least that they're luck- nice to be in Hawaii at the, at, at the, you know, at the bare minimum, they can understand and recognize that level of privilege. Uh, but Quinn on the other hand, doesn't even have that. He's like literally somehow below that level. Um, and so when, uh, yeah, where, but the thing is Quinn's character develops to a point where not only does he begin to appreciate the location discover that there is more to life than you know always being on your screen uh he seems to even go a step further more than what the other characters appear to do and actually appreciate the culture of that is kind of embedded in hawaii that might not even be seen or definitely not really seen uh if you just stay at the white lotus resort which you know everyone else does he gets that opportunity to continuously wake up on the beach see the local uh, native Hawaiians, uh, you know, get up every morning in row. And he's kind of almost like fascinated by that to the point where like he wants to learn more. He makes friends with them. And I think through that, and while we don't see it on screen, he probably learns a lot more about their culture and all that stuff. Um, I can't remember. There's like lines where he goes back and tells his family about, you know, some of the things that he's been doing throughout the day. Um, and by the end of it, like one of the last scenes that uh, happens in the show is that he doesn't get on the plane to go back to his life of privilege in a sense. He wants to give that all up and just continue to like live life the way that he like this more grounded life where, you know, you just get up every day in a row. Even that's dude. Yeah, I yeah, go ahead. I just thought, I think that's like super like, beautiful. I feel like, unfortunately, like it's so easy to fall into that. Like what you should have, what you should be doing, mm-hmm. like, you know, get a nice job, make six figures, have some kids, do whatever. Yeah. But like Quinn kind of, and it's, it's something that's innately like wired into him, just steps away from all of that. And just like, let me do it on my own terms. And it's funny because he brings up with his parents, like, Oh, I can finish out my schooling online. I'll just like live out here. And they are not down for no. any of that. Like, dude, that's crazy. Like, Come back yeah, with because us. in a way, 
I mean, this is not just like a rich people thing. This is just a societal thing that like, you know, people have expectations for you, you know, like for you, for me, uh, for pretty much everyone, you know, there's like expectations that you're going to do. You're going to have a job, you know, you're going to have a well-paying job. You're going to go to college. You're going to get a degree, maybe grad school. You're going to get married one day. You're going to have kids. You're going to have a house. Maybe you're going to have a car. Like, you know, you're going to do all these things, you know, cause that's exactly what, uh, my, that's like what my parents did. And that's what their parents did. And like, you know, yeah. it's just like this thing that's ingrained in society and there are societal expectations, societal pressures, uh, about like you know following this kind of life that seemingly everyone has and who actually wants it but you do it because everyone else expects you to do it but quinn doesn't really seem to care about that at all and like that is bravery in my opinion to kind of just deny yeah. the that status quo and like want to um you know, just like do something that makes him happy. Do something that like, you know, I, I like I don't care that if my parents don't necessarily support this one thing. It's something that I enjoy and I want to do. So um, He does Absolutely it, can. which is like ridiculously brave. I could not do that. <laughs> oh, 100 percent. No, 100 percent. No. I was like, yeah, because honestly, when they were boarding the plane, I was like, oh, like, that's so sad. Like, he's going to. And then you just see him say, like, when he said to his dad, I'll be in there. I just got to, like, tie my shoe or something. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. he's going back. He's going back. <laughs> and I think, honestly, like, that'll be that'll be good for him. Like, I think that's something that he wants to do, like, mm-hmm. long term. Like, obviously, I don't know. We'll, maybe we'll see him again. Maybe we won't. <laughs> but um, it's just, like, I think that's important for everybody. <laughs> Getting out of the podcast mode here for a second and just life mode. But I think it's important to, A, get out of your comfort zone. B, like, do what makes you happy. Yeah. Like, whatever that is. As long as you're not hurting somebody, like, rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, hobbies are a good thing. I think hobbies are a way to channel that in some degree. That is societally acceptable. Uh, or socially yeah, accept- true, true, Why did true, I say true. societally? Socially acceptable. It's okay. Socially, <laughs> society. We live in a society. in my head. There's sometimes in my head. <laughs> we live in a do society. Do we not live in a society? <laughs> yes, oh, yes, we man. do. But, yeah, 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 we do. We do. And uh, speaking of the society, because there's kind of, I mean, there's a bunch of them, but just thinking about the uh, staff. So we talked a little about Belinda. We talked about Armand. There's a couple of other characters, um, like Dylan, who is just kind of this, like, random guy who works at the uh, resort who <laughs> yeah. Armand kind of has a fascination with. And there's a character named, I think her name is Lonnie. She's, like, pregnant, but nobody knows that. Like, what do you think the, what do you think the point of that whole little side arc was? Uh-huh. Basically, it's her first day. She's pregnant, and then she has the baby, but she doesn't tell anybody that she's, like, pregnant. Oh, I thought that was just, like, commentary about, like, um, the United States doesn't is the only, like, country in, like, the world that has no guaranteed maternity leave. So mm. uh, I think it was, like, kind of, like, just commentary about, like, yeah, this person needs to work because they literally need money to survive, and maybe it was just trying to like showcase like yeah the, even though there's so many of these rich guests look at how little these people get paid look at how little the benefits that they are getting from all the money that is coming into this resort and like so much to the point that someone like Lonnie needs to work there despite being like 10 months pregnant <laughs> so <laughs> No, okay, true. That's a good, that's a really good point. That's and I think she even says like something along the lines of I like I needed to get this job and I didn't was scared if I said I was pregnant that you all wouldn't uh like let me have it, so I just came and she's literally fighting through like like 
being in the process of a going into labor and then b when she's like having contractions and everything she's like ooh Ooh, but keeps working. Like respect to her, but like you not said, respect. It's a it's supposed trash. to show a broken system, and you're like, you know, like that's not like you should. I mean, I was like you, like we live in a messed up society. If like this is what we have to put people through in order to survive, in order to have food on their table, um, we live in a and broken country. Truly, truly, we do. Because also, like thinking about the infrastructure of their healthcare. I think there was only, like, her doctor was one of the only, like, doctors that was available, but he was, like, miles away. And so there was a, like, a hotel, I guess, provider on site. But uh, outside of that, they would have to just kind of spend a lot of time getting to her. So shows a little breakdown in the old healthcare system, unfortunately. Yeah. They called an ambulance. That's $2,500. Can't be having that on the bill. Um, I knew it was, like, 1000 something, like but 2500 $2, Cheese and crackers. Okay. Wow. For profit medicine is so good. I just threw up a little bit of my <laughs> I literally think about like my watch my six hundred pound life and they sometimes have to call an ambulance and like do all this um wait, I'm sorry. Is that with with insurance? Let's just let's just confirm this. Uh, fast. No, bro. Insurance doesn't cover <laughs> ambulance rides. I'm like if I'm dot di- also don't can think we all so. just appreciate can we all appreciate the fact that have you ever been driving? This is so random. Ever been driving and you're not speeding. You're going the speed limit, in fact. And you notice there's an ambulance behind you and their lights are on and everything. And you're like a ways ahead of them. And you're like, ah, oh, when they get here, like I'll, you know, pull over to the side, do everything. And they just don't catch up. And you're not speeding or anything. You're just going the speed limit. They get tickets. So I'm like, look. They get tickets too. Like, you know, they get speeding tickets. Because I, I had a friend like, who worked at as an EMT and he said, I always got tickets. Because, like, they speed all the time. Oh. Wait. The people who are working, like, the EMTs have to cover that? I don't know if he had to cover that, but he just said he always got tickets because, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm going to chalking that up to being part of the job. But I'm just like, look, if I'm in the back of an ambulance and you are not speeding and I need you to speed, we're going to have to change that up there, partner. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, but that was just a <laughs> random thought. But uh, speaking of other people like Dylan, so we talked about him. We haven't really actually like taken a dive into his character, but he seems, how do I describe him? Like a stoner bro who just kind of works at this resort who, as I said, Armand has kind of a fascination with. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of going through the motions. What do you think the whole point of his his character was? Or was there no I, I You know, honestly, like I don't know if his character had... I don't know. I really, it's like hard for me to remember because I didn't rewatch this show. I just remember a couple of scenes that he's in, like, you know, famously he gets high with Armand and then they have sex. So, like, I, I, I don't really remember what else his character is about. Maybe he's kind of a temptation for Armand and his drug addiction, uh, especially mm. as he spirals out of control when he's kind of been duking it out with Shane in a way. Um, I don't know, but uh, maybe he is a personification of kind of his, uh, you know, vices. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know. Ah, that's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. And speaking of the Shane Armand conflict, it all kind of comes to a head 
when a Shane walks in on Dylan and uh, Armand, mm-hmm. and he basically holds that over Armand's head, and that's when they actually get moved up to the pineapple suite, and life is kind of starting to turn around for for Shane and Rachel. But uh, ultimately, there's a series of events that do not go well for Armand, and he is uh, canned. And so during his last day as an employee, he gets super high, sneaks into Shane and Rachel's room, and decides to uh, defecate in Shane's uh, suitcase. But Shane comes back before he has time to get out, and so he hides, and Shane senses an intruder, he grabs a knife, and subsequently um, Armand is, is stabbed and killed. I want to know, did you anticipate him being the dead body from the first episode? No, I did not see that coming until Shane walked into the room. Then I was like, this is probably okay, where it yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, wild that that happened. Uh, even wilder was the whole defecating in the suitcase scene <laughs> unbelievable that that was shown um <laughs> literally um, literally and then uh, um so yeah i do think it's interesting that armand quite literally had his life the most ruined by uh the actions of the the guests the rich um all because shane pettiness about not getting a room decides to take out his anger on a poor hotel manager to the point where he (laughs) breaks his five-year sobriety gets him fired from the hotel and then eventually kills him so um (laughs) wow dang wow all of that because you didn't get the room you wanted but still got a nice room Oh, it's the pineapple sweet man. It's different. It's yeah, it just shows the show that Shane did not care about that he was in Hawaii. He just cared about that he got the room that he wanted in Hawaii. And nope. he will destroy someone's life in order to make sure he gets that room. Which is just unbelievable. It's just jaw-dropping assholery. <laughs> like, Oh, uh, yeah, uh, that, that's an understatement there, but that is definitely it. And it's interesting, too, because while all this is going on, I guess, like, you see the whole kind of marriage between him and Rachel start to fall apart very early on. I mean, they're, like, what, a week or so in? Yeah, because she's realizing, Yeah, yeah, he's like, oh, this dude's kind of a D-bag, mm-hmm. and he's kind of like a, like a spoiled rich boy, mm-hmm. and that is not the life that I was taught to lead. He told me to step away from my career. Maybe I'm making a huge mistake, and I'm not going to lie. I watched this the first time, and I was like, if anybody's having like a trash week, it is this woman, Rachel. But, by the way, Alexandra Daddario, like, the good Lord took his time with her. <laughs> but, um, no, like, literally, she just questions it and it seems like she finally gets to a place where she's mentally ready to step away from all of that to say no that's not the life i want to live like shane this is over and she goes to like people just to as a sounding board to confirm that she's not crazy and it just so happens that she crosses over with everybody pretty much at their worst like moment like specifically like linda was thinking of like she's like whatever like do whatever you got to do because rachel starts breaking down she comforts her and she gives her her phone number. And then this is after Tanya's basically told Belinda she's not going to support her project. And she's just done with everything. And so that is you know, put on Rachel. And in the end, 
after all of this, after a death, after Shane was a complete imbecile, she and she's told him like she doesn't want to be married to him anymore. She reunites with him and she says, I'm willing to basically have a trash life, like a life of privilege, a life where I'm not really able to do what I want to do just to appease you. And he's completely cool with that. He's no error, no problem in that and just goes with it. Did you see that coming? Did you think that she was going to stay? No, uh, I didn't see that coming. Okay. I was just like, wow, what a what a twist in like these characters like Shane doesn't grow, I don't think, from this. I don't know if him killing Armon really made him reflect on anything. <laughs> to truth yeah. be told, he probably thought he was in the right even if he was horrified in the moment. Probably thought he was ultimately in the right. Um, and maybe that is further justifying his actions kind of thing uh, throughout up until that moment. Um, and and like probably even more so is because he finds out that, yeah, Armand cra- shat in his suitcase. Like, you know, he really did have it out for me kind of thing. Um, yep. It just kind of reinforced that belief in his head. So I don't think he really grows. And it's it was sad to see Rachel just being kind of like subjecting or like kind of to it all and being kind of accepting like this is my life now rather than Mm -hmm. trying to change Shane. She changes and kind of becomes part of this, uh, this class, this, this type of person, uh, which is, uh, is sad to see. Truly dude. Truly it is. And then I guess we got to finish out on Tanya. So basically, over the course of her stay, she goes from, you know, raising up Belinda to shattering her dreams because she meets this guy named Greg, who we find out is terminally ill, Mm -hmm. but she wants to stay with them. And she says to him that essentially all the relationships she's had in her life are based on transactions and she wants to just kind of have a genuine one. And he says he's willing to basically roll those dice. And that's kind of what ultimately leads to the whole fallout with um belinda but she ends up going like spreads her mother's ashes and she goes off in the sunset with this rando who's supposed to die so um did you have any thoughts around just her character her path the little arc she goes on or do you think at the end of the day she has not changed and is exactly who you thought she was oh i don't think i don't think tanya changes um i i think she goes on her war path and and like I think the best way to like I mean she is severe, just the self-absorbed woman who um is very oblivious to her uh surroundings like how she's like treated and very needy like the the relationship with Greg I think is extra hilarious to me um because in a way, like the relationship to Greg is like a distraction from like what the good that she was trying to do with. I feel like uh, uh, Belinda, like I felt like Greg kind of came in around at the same time that like, you know, she had made that deal with Belinda and then eventually just kind of like drops it because she uh, gets with Greg. And I'm not really sure if Greg's motives are pure because I think in a way like he knows that somehow that Tanya has a lot of money and um, there's a whole conspiracy theory about season two and Greg because uh, he's also in season two. He's the other recurring character. Um, but we're not going to talk about season two and the conspiracy theory surrounding that. But 
Um, so yeah, I don't know. Tanya's character, I don't think really changes. She's just the most charismatic, self-absorbed, needy, rich person, uh, who is trying to find inner peace, I guess, by like spreading her ashes of her mom. But like, I don't know how successful that is. Um, but like inner peace from what or from whom, I don't know, because, um, the havoc that she causes on Belinda, Cannot be understated. True. Very, very true. Dang, man. Yeah, she didn't, I mean, super entertaining, like Jennifer Coolidge. Uh, no, her performance was excellent. Really was good. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> she won an Emmy for, I think, season two. Yeah. yeah. So good. Uh, but, uh, no, it's it was definitely a show I wasn't expecting. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I'll compare, I guess, it to season two if we... Do a season two episode, but uh, no, I mean, good watch. Certainly something I would recommend. I do recommend. I do recommend The White Lotus. And a lot of people have watched it. I mean, was it at New Year's last year where we were playing the theme song? Yeah, yeah we were just playing the White Lotus theme song. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, dude, so good. I'm going to rip that oh, after we, we're done with this. I'm going to give it a I listen. I think I will as well. Partake, partake. Yeah. Certainly. Okay. Uh... Is there anything else you want to talk about the White Lotus Bomber? Uh, not really for season one. Is there any themes that we missed is there on? Any themes? I think we hit most of them. Like I said, I think this is like kind of just about greed, socioeconomic disparity. Uh, I really do want to like, I, I hope we do a season two because I really liked that. I definitely one. think Why we not? had to do it at, at some point. Um, okay. Very different said, theme in season two, but... I also still think it retains a couple of the season one themes. No, absolutely. I think they will ultimately serve as kind of the foundation moving forward, mm-hmm. but like there will be kind of another, another overarching theme yeah. like interlaced. So that will be good. But um, no, I, I mean, I hope they, I hope they do a season three. I hope I they really do, do too. Um, I don't know if one's been ordered or not. Um, I hate to see it. Like, I, I don't know if there's a season three. Uh, HBO confirmed that the White Lotus won't return for its third season until 2025. Okay, I thought it was. Oh, don't scare me like that, dude. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Goodness. But, yeah, no. So, I'm pumped for that. That's kind of my last, I guess, thought around there. Alrighty. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. This has been the Watching Up Podcast with your hosts, Charlie Bud. Joined with me, as always, is the wonderful Jordan Palmer. Make sure you drop us a follow to wherever you are listening or get your podcasts. Hit us up on social media, which you can find us at Palmer. Why you let them know? You can find us on Instagram at What You Got Podcast, which is spelled W H A T C H A, or on Twitter slash X at What You Got Cast, which is spelled the same way. You can catch our episodes every week, Monday evenings, although this is probably going to be changing relatively soon to Wednesday evenings. Just gives us a little bit more time to do some editing. And so that might be starting off in a couple of weeks, so just be on the lookout for that announcement there. Next week, we are going to cover The Boy and the Heron, which is Hayao Miyazaki's First film in 10 years since The Wind Rises back in 2013, I believe. 
he came out of retirement. He wrote and directed this movie and another Studio Ghibli film. I don't know what caused him to come out of retirement, but it's here. It's out. And we already had an episode on Hayao Miyazaki, so, you know, obviously you have to talk about his new film. And until next week, catch you all later.